Thank you for tuning in to the Four Peers and Beers podcast. The Future of Real Estate, also known as Four, is a commercial real estate networking group targeting young professionals in the industry. We've hosted dozens of events over the past three and a half years and have seen hundreds of top professionals from market-leading companies attend. We created the Four Peers and Beers podcast to become a platform to highlight South Florida's commercial real estate rising stars and four members, but more importantly, to have a few beers with friends over great real estate conversation. I'm your host, Jonathan Rosen, the founder of Four, also retail broker at JLL, focusing on urban and high street retail throughout South Florida, specifically in areas like Brickell, Wynwood, South Beach, Fort Lauderdale, Coral Gables, and much more. Alongside me, I have my host, Tyler Delapena. Say hey, Tyler. Yes, Tyler Delapena. I am with Colliers International, focusing on office leasing on both the landlord and tenant side of the business. And now, Star co-host of the fastest growing commercial real estate podcast in the game. Star. Thank you, John. (laughs) Thanks, Tyler. Star. Yeah, Yeah, of course. Uh, More importantly than either of us, we have our awesome guest today, the man of the hour, Omar Morales from Bercadia. What's up, Omar? Thanks for joining. Hey, John, Tyler. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, Omar, you are responsible for sourcing, underwriting, marketing, and transacting multifamily and land investment opportunities throughout South Florida closing deals over $500 million in transaction volume. Today, we're going to dig a little bit into that. We're going to talk about the multifamily market overall. We're going to talk about your absolutely insane and admirable work ethic. And then we're going to get into some <laughs> of the good stuff, uh, some, some classic four memories, because you're a longtime four member. You've been coming to the events for years, and you always make the party fun. So to kick it off, let's hear a little bit about you, Omar, your background, you know, how you got started what you do, most importantly, uh, take us a little bit uh, or take us through your, your kind of start in the business and where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. I think I have to caveat everything I say, which, you know, most people, when you hear where they are today, the path sounds linear, like, oh, they did A, that led to B, that led to C, that makes sense. But, you know, when I was going through those moments and, and kind of job hopping, like your typical millennial, I mean, I was basically stumbling, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, and it took, you know, a mix of luck and, and hard work to, to get to where I am today. But the long short of it is I graduated from, from FIU and, and didn't really know what I wanted to do. But fortunately, actually I actually have to give a shout out to my, to my friend Luisa Arias, which I'll, I'll send this to. She, uh, she kind of changed my life, to be frank, introducing me to a hedge fund manager that was opening up a fund down here in, in Brickell. And I came in as an intern my senior year, had no idea really what a hedge fund w- would do and, and just willing to learn. And when That's I graduated and <laughs> yeah, when I graduated, instead of shooting over to like New York and doing investment banking, which I had offers to do, I was like, listen, I love Miami. I love my family. I think there's a lot of growth here and this is where I want to stay. So I stayed at the hedge fund for, for quite a while, was able to parlay that into real estate private equity. And when I say parlay, what I literally mean is emailing and cold calling everybody that I could get uh, in touch with <laughs> and inviting them out for lunch and, and trying to slip in my resume if it looked like uh, it was appropriate to do so. So I did hedge fund into real estate private equity. 
And then from there, I realized I really wanted to be an intermediary side. So I started interviewing for commercial real estate firms, ended up at Walker and Dunlop. And then most recently we got recruited, the team there at Walker Dunlop, we got recruited to come over to Bercadia and grow their institutional sales platform, which is uh, owned by Berkshire Hathaway. So we like to joke that when Warren Buffett comes calling, you, you kind of gotta, you kind of gotta say yes. It's time to go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's that's awesome. Uh, you got a, a really cool, unique story there, and you know, it's from everything we've seen and we hear. Sounds like you're crushing it. I mean, so so what kind of multifamily transactions do you focus on, more or less? I know it probably fluctuates, but just to give whoever's listening, uh, the listeners out there, an idea of you know what's your focus on, you know, deal wise. And I know it's multifamily, but that's a vague term. Yeah, absolutely. So. It's predominantly in South Florida on the sales side, right? Because we're kind of like the boots on the ground, gotcha. especially when we've got like German pension funds looking to buy land or, or multifamily here. We're like their source of information. And then on the capital market side, when we're doing like refinances, it's uh, nationwide, right? Because we take the approach that debt is agnostic really to, to location. Yeah, it's not exactly. <laughs> it's a numbers game. So just like to give you an example, we, we recently closed on a 1970s uh, acquisition in, in Georgia, right? And it had phenomenal terms where rates are nowadays. It actually closed, it was like 75% LTV, 2.96% rate on a 15-year term with nine years IO. Like just crazy numbers because of everything that's going on right now. I understand about three quarters of that. So I feel like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm on the right track. Um, but no, that's awesome. I think everyone you know, now probably has a really good idea of what you do more or less, but the question of the hour, one of the main reasons why I was extremely excited to have you on, aside from you being a good friend and a longtime forum member, is because you have this ridiculous work ethic <laughs> that I haven't seen anywhere. I thought I worked hard, but you make me look like I work like 30 minutes a day. Um, <laughs> these 4 a.m. Yeah. workouts. Okay, so whoever's listening, for, for those of you who know Omar, you might know this for those of you who don't, the guy works out 4 a.m., 4.30 a.m., 5 a.m. every day. He's there working after he crushes the gym or tennis or a 13-mile half marathon, goes to the office all day, doesn't leave till midnight, and then he does it again. Omar, do you have, do you have, do you ever hit snooze on your alarm? That's, that's my downfall. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I'll, I'll, I'll parlay that into the answer, which, I mean, to be completely honest, it, it all just stems from like a mentality of, of being grateful. I, I promise you, it's just having a lot of gratitude like for the opportunity to, to work on the deals that I work on and to work on the team and have the colleagues that I have and, and you know, having the senior partners that I have. That's great answer. Right? So, yeah, I mean, think about it. When, when I get an email from either a senior partner or related, for example, that we've done business with in the past at 11 o'clock at night, you know, it doesn't register in my head as work. I'm actually like, kind of like tap dancing i'm like yeah let's let's jump into this i got you guys like this is huge you know i'm not stuck in a cubicle working on something i don't like to do so so it definitely stems from gratitude and i think you know obviously like any human being some days it's it's harder than others to to not hit the snooze button and some days i hit it once or twice but uh that's not a lot yeah whether if if you truly <laughs> yeah. if you truly love what you do you don't work a day in your life Exactly. Cheesy, but, but true, Tyler. Cheesy, yeah. but very true. It is a slippery slope, though, to just be like out there waiting for your passion to, to just hit you in the face, you right? I think a lot things. of times you got to try, you got to yeah. try different things, see what you like, see what you don't like, and you, you start to figure it out. 
Exactly. I, I've been playing the drums for, for 12 years and I'm not trying to make a career out of it. Right. Uh, I realized well, I that, that. that I, I like we need a drum solo. <laughs> We're going to end this with a drum come, solo. That'll come Absolutely. on the 25th minute. There we go. <laughs> well, so Omar, exactly. have you always been that way? I'm curious. Or did you start after you graduated I, yeah. college? John, that's a great it's, question. Omar, what, what do you attribute your work ethic to? Are, are your, are your parents the same way? Is it a, competitive edge you have what 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 do you uh what brings out that work <laughs> my out? parents yeah my parents are are 49 so relatively young or extremely young for yeah. my age they were yeah. and and just to, to take a step back yeah it comes from my background right so just to put things into perspective i was born in san pedro sula honduras which like five years ago business insiders said it was the most dangerous and violent city in the world. Wow. And for me, I'm like, okay, what does that even mean, right? So I read into it and it's basically, they measure it by homicides per square mile and how many people are murdered by like every 100,000 in population. Wow. And it was some ridiculously stat that it was like 187 people are murdered for every 100,000 in population in the world, in the world. That's crazy. And to put it into perspective, yeah, like in Detroit, Michigan, which is the most dangerous city in the US, mm -hmm. it's like 40 people. And I'm pretty sure the 40 people that unfortunately were victims of murder, like they were, they were documented and recorded. In Honduras, if it's 170, I bet you there's two or three times that, right? So having right. come from that background, it just adds on to the gratitude and, and you know, the, the being grateful kind of every day. Um, and yeah, I guess what, that's kind of where it stems from. It's a great attitude, man. Yeah, that's, that's unbelievable. And how, how important do you think that the healthy lifestyle, I know everyone, um, especially nowadays, it seems like um, even the younger generation that are, are our age, the millennial generation is trending towards fitness, health, even, you know, veganism is really becoming a trend. Vegetarianism. Healthy body, healthy mind. Exactly. You know, how important would you say your, your routine, your, your work ethic, your health, healthy lifestyle and balance has attributed to your success to where you are today? I mean, it's, it's everything, right? And I'm not like a perfect story. And, and you know, hopefully you're, you're healthy and, and fit, not, because, not for vain reasons. But I'll be honest, you know, when I was in high school and college, I was like, dude, Miami is beach weather 24-7 and I want to have a six-pack right? Like I want to be shredded. Can't blame you. And it started, yeah, it started with that. And then as I start working, I'm still working on I'm it. in college, <laughs> it's a, it's a, got a long a way to go, road. Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so for me, it was kind of like, I realized how conducive it was to, to being able to be effective at work and, and have like high energy, you know, eating right and things do like that. Do your colleagues notice? And I mean, do they know? Like, uh, or do they know what? I mean, like that you're in, you're grinding till 11, you know, midnight, some nights. It's, it's the funniest. They, they text me. They're like, dude, what is it that you're doing all day? And I'm like, I don't know, bro. Like beats <laughs> scrolling through Instagram. I never know what he's at, doing at back 11 there. At night. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing pushups and, and <laughs> underwriting. Exactly. So no, yeah, everybody notices. It's funny. I joke that like I could have graduated like valedictorian of Harvard. And the benefits of that pale in comparison to the benefits of like just posting my my 4 a.m. timestamp every like yeah your Instagram it's, it's stories incredible who hits me everybody just like assumes that I'm I've got a good head on my shoulders because because of my Instagram stories it's wild I wake up at seven six thirty seven seven thirty and I'm like oh, wow this guy's I'm probably worked snooze. out yeah I'm like this guy's I'm worked out for snooze. four hours already but <laughs> all right enough about the work ethic I mean it's it's unbelievable you know everyone that knows you knows about it and is super impressed and not many people 
you know, do what you do. But I mean, it's obviously got you to where you are today, or at least helped you get to where you are today, which is for sure at an unbelievable company doing multifamily. So on I that note, that. Um, you're, real you're quick, I just yeah. want, I do want to just clarify. It's, it's a lot of hard work, but it's, it's worth it. And there's one quote that I, you know, I like reading a lot. And, and there's one quote that Big thin of quotes. just kind of, just kind of <laughs> hit me. Right. And I'm like, dude, this is like a lifestyle. And it's a, uh, so yeah, yeah, write this down, everyone. No, it's a quote that goes, the chains of habit are often too light to be felt until they're too heavy to be broken. That is right? good. So if you think about Where's that, that from? I, like, second, it's I like, like that a lot. Warren Buffett. So I'm like, dude, I realize that everybody Figures. that I admire, yeah, everybody that I admire and aspire to, right? They're all like, they wake up early, they're healthy, they're high energy, they're happy people. So I'm like, okay, like clearly there's something about Great being routine and, and, and having a habit that gets you there. You Those know, small so habits, they, they add up. They add up. But all right, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, John. no, 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 you're fine. fine. Don't worry about it. Um, all right, so. Tyler, you want to talk a little bit about multifamily? Yeah, you know, Omar. Switch up the so topic. definitely, let's 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 dive in a little bit since you are the multifamily expert here. Um, <laughs> so we got we got a lot of questions from four members, which I want to run through. But let's let's start it off kind of high level. Um, right. So walk us through, I guess, give us your quick overview of the multifamily market here in South Florida today. What what are your thoughts on it? I mean, it's it's like a loaded question where I love reading those articles on Bloomberg that it's like, if you had $10,000 today, like this is where you should put it. I'm like, wait a minute. If I've been dating a girl for 10 years, I should probably put it into a ring, right? Like you don't know who, my story. So it depends on the investor. It's, it depends on the investor base and the renter and whatnot and, and definitely some markets, you know, one sub market could be seeing a lot of supply one year and it could be absorbed and be fine two years down the road. But in a macro case, right, I mean, there's there's so many tailwinds coming to South Florida, right, like demand tailwinds, right? And like the first one of which is just net migration. People are moving over here in droves, right, from Connecticut, from Chicago, from New York, from New Jersey. They're all rushing down here for the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I think the last time I read it, it was a thousand people move to Florida a day. And pricing right? too, and right? It's, 50, New York is it's insane. insane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like they actually have negative net migration numbers. Right. And we're up like a whole bunch. Right. Uh, Florida and Texas are always like neck to neck. Right. So out of the 1000 people moving here a day, like that's the that's data point. 50% of those come to South Florida. So I mean, that you you part you like couple that with the fact that between the Everglades in the West and the Atlantic Ocean to the East, we've got 15 miles of land limited. I mean, yeah, it's it's a phenomenal place to to park your money, and and we've all heard very well from our parents, which I'm assuming a lot of them are like Hispanic. It's like real estate is is where you want to put your money, right? Like it always appreciates. You just want to make right. sure you don't put too much debt on a property and then have to sell it instead of hold on to it. Right. Yeah, and not to mention, I, I imagine obviously we have a lot of a lot of foreign investors who they like commercial real estate. They like to be able to touch and, and feel the asset and, and really you know understand what it is that they're investing in. So I imagine that all plays. And there's too. and there's a cachet to Miami, right? Last time I was like in Munich or Ibiza, Amsterdam, it's like you tell them you're from Tampa and they're looking at you with question marks, right? You tell them you're from Miami. And they're like, oh, like, oh Miami. Miami, it's so right. fun, it's the best, <laughs> right. sexy, exactly. it's awesome. So, so you can't quantify that in, a, in an Excel model, but it's true and it's real. You know? If anyone yeah. can quantify that, it's you. <laughs> Probably just with excitement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Cool. So Omar, and then obviously hot topic, you know, every, everyone in, in every industry, every product of commercial real estate is trying to understand what are the effects of COVID. So with that, what do you see as the long-term effects on, well, let's start, what are the effects on rent today? What are the effects on rent growth moving forward long-term because of COVID here in South Florida? Right. I mean, it's, it's a tale of two stories or, or multiple stories, right? Because the effects of COVID to a property in Miami Beach that's you know old and, and has the tenant base of, of hospitality and leisure workers are taking a bigger hit than the luxury condo in Ball Harbor or like you know, the, the brand new building in Brickell, for example. But I think, you know, big picture, it's it's not so much what's happening and, and, and what we think about rents today. It's it's what investors are underwriting. And actually just like as coincidence is, we've got a perfect data point. Yesterday, Cortland Partners closed on a deal in Delray Station, and they closed on it for $260,000 a door. So I called the, the director there that, that I'm friends with, and I'm like, hey, you know, what kind of underwriting metrics did you use for this? And he's like, listen, man, like, you know, we're not trying to have a crystal ball on COVID, but we realize that there's a lot of stimulus uh, checks going around, and it's helping people it's be problem. able to... Yeah, exactly. And and honestly, if there's one thing that surprises me about every government or country in the world is how long they're able to extend and pretend, right? So if you're the type of person that's like a doomsayer and thinks, oh, the bubble's about to pop, like you may be sitting on your hands for 10 years, right? right. And then you, even if it pops at that point, you probably regret not being invested for the last 10 years. You mm-hmm. know, all that to say that with it being an election year, there's a lot of pressure both from the Republicans and the Democrats to continue pushing the stimulus and kicking the can down the road. So this, uh, exactly. This acquire and, and specifically was telling me this morning, actually, it's a timely, timely conversation we're having. You know, he's like, listen, I had muted rent growth in year one, right? So their model that tells them how much I can pay for this property. They had 0% rent growth in year one and 2% rent growth in years one, uh, two to three. And then it just kind of levels off to 3% rent growth, which I think you see underwriters do. Is that your average? Is that your average rent exactly. growth year over year? That's 3%. Nobody's going nobody's gonna to argue a 3% rent growth when you're four or five years into your pro forma. Well, so right. what, what I think is interesting about the moral of that story is that the transaction closed during COVID. So right. multifamily deals are closing during COVID. So correct? it's honestly one of like the darlings of, of real estate right now, right? I know we spoke about South Florida from a macro People need a place to live. Exactly. I think, I think nice uh, pe- people, needs a, people need a roof over their heads and people need to order like e-commerce retail stuff, right? So industrial right. and warehouses are also flying off the shelf in terms of valuation. And I say that because, you know, you look at hospitality, you look at retail and mind you, those are billion dollar industries that I think now. Watch your mouth, in- Omar. I was say, <laughs> you need- you need retail, office baby. Space too. We're let's, still let's good. All right. Come you, on. You definitely need office space. No, relatively <laughs> speaking, relatively speaking, good retail, you know, industrial and, and multifamily have uh, haven't seen the effects as much from a global pandemic. No, absolutely. Right? So yeah. it gives people the confidence to to still put capital out there. And the right. reality of it is, the more capital that flows here, right? If there's somebody that, I mean, just candidly speaking, I had an uncle that would love in, investing in hotels, right? Driftwood is a very successful hotel company around here. And he would invest with them. And now he's like, hey, I'm, I'm really liking this multifamily stuff. I'm like, I'm sure you do now, you know? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Tyler, what was the, uh, there was one more question from one of the yeah, four members. Um, I think this was a Scotty Salzman question. Got a shout out. 
one of my oldest friends. Yeah, and I, I love the question too. Omar, what area, what submarket in South Florida are you most excited about? Where where do you see in South Florida having the most potential for rent growth? Uh, it's a great question. Uh, again, I think it, it depends on who's asking it, but I but a, a submarket that I'm very excited about is is definitely Alapata. Right. That's you funny see, you say that. I, I, I had a feeling that was coming. It's I mean, you just you look at the location of it, right? It's on it's on the Miami River, pretty much. And you look at rivers in any popular city across the nation or the world, and they're like a hot spot for real estate and, and prime, prime pricing. Mm-hmm. And you look at what Lisette Calderon and like Urban X and the H and R team are doing at River Landing. River Landing, which I know you're out. involved with. Yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. And then also nice Robert plug. Wenig, Robert Wenig is that doing that, that Miami produce uh, mixed use project. It's a 1.4 million square feet in mm-hmm. um, complex in Alapata. And yeah. you just look where it's located, right? It's, it has the Miami Health District just to the west of it. It's basically within the same submarket. And yep. that's the largest health district in the country. Right, like the largest concentration of medical and research facilities are right UM, there. UM, Jackson Health, exactly. And I mean, you look at trends of what's going to grow in the future, and it's probably tech and healthcare because you know, there's a whole lot of old people in the U.S. It's funny, just not to not to uh, just Baby a little boomers. sidebar. The the one in the office world, the one sector that is protected from from COVID is the medical users, is the lab users. Because well, same for retail the day, as well. At, Urgent at, cares, at the end of the yeah. day, you can you know, back of office, people doing code, whatever it is, you can do that from home. A lab mm-hmm. space, a, a medical space, you need space for that. You need a commercial, Absolutely. you know, zone coded space that can that can handle that use. So yeah. We work isn't funny. providing that, <laughs> you know? Not for we a work, lab. We work's not building out labs. Someone space. was just no, at CNBC exactly. the other day, Tyler, we were listening to it when we were eating lunch about uh, yeah, the lab that's space. exactly what they were talking about. Um, and how it's, it's, it's totally people are protective. still going into the lab even during this pandemic, because they have to, it's already properly spaced. There's already safety it's measures built in place for this situation. Yeah. But yeah, just so real, real quick. That was, that was a great answer. We're running not short on time, but I just want to make sure we're staying on track. One more question as far as multifamily, and then we're going to dive into some other stuff. Um, let's talk about the CBD, the central business district, Brickle downtown, maybe even Edgewater and Midtown. What are your thoughts, Omar, on the, current supply and demand do you think these developers that are coming in here and building these monsters digging into the ground and and building and building and building are do you think there's too many units right now is there too much supply and not enough demand do you think the demand is there because miami and the <laughs> cbd here is growing like crazy as i'm sure we all see walking driving yeah. around what are your thoughts on that yeah i mean it's basically like the the million dollar question and you're exactly right you see mellow group building a thousand units in downtown fifth yeah mellow group has built like four towers in the past like two years two Uh, weeks amley (laughs) they build so fast it's incredible amley midtown's doing another 720 units in, in midtown and you've got Property Markets Group, PMG, doing uh, Society Brickle, uh, another 714 units. So you're exactly right. It's, it's a phenomenal question. And what I'll say to that, I actually have like the perfect case study now that I think about it. So Mill Creek, right? It's a, they've done a whole bunch of developments around here. Yep. If you've ever we're, seen a building with the name Modera, that's Mill Creek. Yeah, we, right? have, and there's, okay. we do the leasing for yeah. Modera and Edgewater for Mill Creek. Oh, okay, perfect. Great project. Right? There's Modera Edgewater, Modera River. Modera Riverhouse, Modera Dadeland, there's Modera everything, right? So, so phenomenal and smart developers. And the perfect case study is 
they built an Edgewater, Modera Edgewater, which you were just talking about, right? So it's 297 units on 24th and Biscayne Boulevard, pretty much. And the leasing velocity, right? Because what we see in the headlines is supply, 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 supply. What we don't see is the inside baseball of absorption, absorption, absorption. There are so many people moving down here, right? I, I, 10, 15 years ago, I'd be in New York. Uh, we'd all probably be at some other place doing like old school jobs, right? Now I have friends that are from Nigeria and Minnesota and they're, they're in Miami, right? So the absorption is real. And the, the going back to the case study, it's Modera Edgewater. So Mill Creek was leasing that building up as they were looking to acquire a building just three blocks south of it. And what gave them the conviction to buy into that land and the new they development sold it up. was exactly that. They're like, dude, we're leasing these apartments like hotcakes, you know, 30, yeah. 40 leases a month. So they were like, well, absolutely. Wow, 40 quote, leases unquote, a month. That's crazy. It's, it's insane. It's insane. We were talking to Jeff That's Marin, more than you, John. The head. <laughs> Almost. I did 41. So think about it. They've got real-time data on the market, and then they go and double down with another 296 Smart. units three blocks south of that site Seems for like Modera Biscayne Bay. They, yeah, they, they've got real-time data, and they're doubling down on the market. So I think you know, headline risk says oversupply. The smart developers realize how much people are coming down here, and they're doubling they, they, down. Yeah, it's the location, yeah. too, and the you know, positive experience for, for Mill Creek, for example, led to another project which is going to be great and, and help the neighborhood. Um, exactly. And Mel, like, again, you, you mentioned Mellow Group. Yep. In the past handful of years, Mellow Group has done... Well, they're affordable, uh, too. Art Square. Yeah, they're, 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 they're great price points, mm -hmm. absolutely. And I think yeah, it's, affordable it's what a lot of people need. Relative, yeah. Right. For multifamily, affordable is like it's got some sort of Laura like government component to it. But yeah, to just going back to it, they're building downtown Fifth, Art Square, Square Station, Melody Tower. Like they're building buildings left and right because they have the data that Bloomberg and Forbes doesn't have when they talk about supply. Yep. To totally agree. Um, it's, it's interesting to get someone's perspective that's actually in the trenches as opposed to myself, you know, obviously in the business, but not on the multifamily side or, you know, same with Tyler on the office side or just walking around and seeing all these condos are like, is this, is this right? Is this too much? Is this too little? But that's, that's good. <laughs> Great perspective. I want to transition it a little bit to kind of end this off with a little note on the four events and here, you know, maybe 30, 60 seconds on your experiences at the four events in the past couple of years. Favorite four memory. Favorite four events, favorite memory. Favorite venue. And let's get one shout out or a couple to someone that you formed a close relationship with from four because mm -hmm. we got 90 seconds left on this podcast. Oh, 90 seconds. Uh, okay, so starting with the shout outs because like, listen, if you're a local young person in real estate, it's the networking group to be in because you're going to meet, I was telling John earlier, I met a guy that, that does uh, traffic studies for Kimley Horn, right? something I would have no idea about. And I talked to him over a beer and, and he's in a whole different world and it's giving me exposure to something I didn't know about. So it's just, it's connecting you to the right people that you want to be connected to. If you're committed to being involved in real estate or commercial real estate in South Florida and the shout outs, oh man, I'm definitely going to like miss a lot of great friends because I've met so many through four, but the ones in the top of my head right now are Jerry Aguirre, and Afolabi Sediki, right? And just to give you an example, Afolabi, he's, he's Nigerian, he went to UPenn, and now he's in Miami. Like somebody that I would have never have met, but you met had it not been for four. 
That's yeah. Great. And now we're best friends. You know, we, we talk Very every cool. day. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad you've, you've gotten the value. I think this podcast was another op- awesome episode. We're off to a great start. I knew you'd kill it. You did. So no sweat off your back. I know you're a little nervous, <laughs> but you did unbelievable. Uh, I hope people see the value of, of your opinion, your, your rise in such a short time of, you know, where you started an awesome story to where you are today. Thank you again for being on Tyler. Crush it as always. You guys having me. Star co-host. Star co-host, the man, the myth. Um, all right. This, this was great. Thank you to everyone for listening. Omar, real quick, where can someone reach you if they have a question or want to follow up with you after this? You got 10 seconds. Honestly, Instagram is where I'm most personable, and that's bromar.morales. Bromar. B-R-O-M-A-R dot M-O-R-A-L-E-S. Correct? I appreciate you, John. All that right. is perfect. It's, it started awesome. in high school, and it it's just off. caught fire. It's off. So. We're out. Love it. Love you guys. Thanks, guys. Bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Four Peers and Beers podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at Future of Real Estate and, of course, on Spotify for future episodes. Thank you.